1933, Swedish ophthalmologist Dr. Henrik Sjögren wrote his thesis about 19 patients who had a triad of symptoms characterized by extreme dry eyes, dry mouth, and polyarthritis. Unfortunately, his initial work went unnoticed, and his academic career was significantly harmed. It wasn't until his thesis was translated to English 10 years later did he get international recognition for identifying this multisystem disease. Much like the namesake physician who initially discovered the condition, Sjogren's syndrome is an often overlooked condition by clinicians and is known to be underdiagnosed. However, as we'll learn today, this syndrome is much more than simply dry eyes and dry mouth. Today, our patient has Sjogren's and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by medical residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is titled Putting the Sick in Sicka, Approach to Sjogren's Syndrome. Time for our minute physiology. Sjogren's is a systemic autoimmune condition characterized by progressive lymphocytic infiltration of both glandular and non-glandular organs. Most often, Sjogren's is associated with its effects on exocrine glands, namely the lacrimal, salivary, and parotid glands. Foci of lymphocyte-rich mononuclear cells, most commonly T-cells, infiltrate the tissue adjacent to blood vessels and excretory ducts and lead to an inflammatory process, which eventually causes glandular dysfunction. This results in the common symptoms of dry eyes and dry mouth. However, lymphocytic infiltration of the epithelia of non-glandular organs can also occur, and Sjogren's results in systemic manifestations approximately 40% of the time. Sjogren's syndrome can be further classified into primary or secondary Sjogren's. Primary Sjogren's is diagnosed in patients without an underlying connective tissue disease, whereas secondary Sjogren's is diagnosed when there is evidence of another connective tissue disease, most commonly RA or SLE. Sjogren's is actually the second most common rheumatic disorder after rheumatoid arthritis, and it affects 1-4% to of the population. It affects women much more than men at a 9 to 1 ratio, and the peak age of diagnosis is 50. Alright, so now that we've talked about the basic physiology and epidemiology, let's talk about the approach. Your first step in any patient encounter will be to assess whether your patient is stable or not. Usually the assessment and diagnosis of Sjogren's is made in the outpatient setting, and patients are clinically stable. But recall that Sjogren's can rarely have organ-threatening manifestations, such as kidney and lung involvement, and you may see these patients on the ward. The next step is to suspect the disease. Sjogren's is an often missed syndrome, and patients can go years before receiving the correct diagnosis, so it's important to know the symptoms and keep it on your differential. The manifestations of Sjogren's can be divided into sicca symptoms, which are caused by exocrine glandular dysfunction, and systemic extraglandular manifestations. Sicca symptoms include dry eyes, dry mouth, dry vagina, parotid gland enlargement, and less commonly dry skin and dryness of the upper respiratory tract. You want to clarify the severity of the sicca symptoms and rule out any other obvious causes. Remember, approximately 30% of older adults endorse dry eyes or dry mouth, but less than 10% of patients with clinically significant dry eyes have Sjogren's. Common causes of sicca symptoms that are not related to Sjogren's include age-related changes, medications, viral infections, contact lens irritation, granulomatous disease, poorly controlled diabetes, and chronic hepatitis C. Helpful questions to characterize clinically significant dry eyes include how frequently they need to use artificial tears and whether they notice sandy or gritty feeling in their eyes. For dry mouth, you can ask whether they ever need to drink a liquid to swallow dry foods, note a metallic or bitter taste in their mouth, or if they have many cavities. Up to one half of patients with Sjogren's experience extraglandular symptoms. The more common symptoms include easy fatigability causing functional disability and MSK complaints including arthralgias, arthritis, and Raynaud's. 
Less commonly, Sjogren's can cause endocrine gland dysfunction, including the thyroid, adrenals, and ovaries, and can cause bronchiolitis, interstitial nephritis, and autoimmune primary biliary cholangitis. Rarely, Sjogren's can be associated with immune complex-associated disease, so keep it on your differential when encountering cutaneous vasculitis, glomerulonephritis, or peripheral neuropathies. Finally, it's important to screen for other symptoms associated with connective tissue disease to assess for secondary Sjogren's. So ask about oral ulcers, alopecia, rashes, and pleurisy for lupus, small joint arthritis for RA, Raynaud's and skin tightening for scleroderma, and proximal muscle weakness for inflammatory myositis. A good exam of the eyes and mouth are key for Sjogren's. You can look for injected conjunctiva or the lack of tears in the eyes. Referral to ophthalmology may also be helpful as a slit lamp exam with dye staining can confirm keratoconjunctival sicca. Look for dry oral mucous membranes, tongue furrowing, and poor dentition for evidence of dry mouth. Also examine the parotid and submandibular glands for enlargement and check for lymphadenopathy that could be suggestive of lymphoma, as these patients are at higher risk. Finally, examine the patient for evidence of any other connective tissue disease. This includes a screening cardio, respiratory, neuro, and abdominal exam. A more detailed exam of the skin for rashes and joints for pain and swelling is critical. Now let's go over the workup. Your workup should include blood work to assess for any organ dysfunction, including a CBC, electrolytes, creatinine, urinalysis, liver enzymes, and TSH, as well as a chest x-ray if they have any respiratory symptoms. An ANA with a full ENA panel should be ordered as well with particular attention to anti-RO-SSA or anti-LAW-SSB antibodies, as these are elevated in greater than 70% of patients with Sjogren's. If patients have evidence of immune complex disease, further workup including hepatitis testing, HIV, RF, cryoglobulins, complement, and ANCAs can be considered based on the clinical picture. An objective test used to test tear production is the Schirmer's test, which involves using filter paper under the eyelid to test the degree of wetness in a pre-specified amount of time. Ocular staining with dyes such as fluorescein or rose bengal can also be used to look for areas of corneal injury caused by dryness. Unstimulated quantitative saliva production can be used to assess for dry mouth, with greater than 1.5 mL in 15 minutes considered a normal test. One of the most important tests for a Sjogren's diagnosis is the minor salivary gland biopsy. An incisional biopsy of the lower labial mucosa showing focal lymphocytic sialadenitis or greater than 50 lymphocytes around salivary gland asini supports the diagnosis. The specificity is approximately 90%. However, the sensitivity is somewhere between 64 to 86%. The 2016 ACR slash ULAR classification criteria for Sjogren's is based on patient symptoms and the results of the minor salivary gland biopsy, anti-SSA antibody, ocular staining score, Schirmer, and unstimulated saliva flow rate. These criteria can be helpful in aiding the diagnosis of primary Sjogren's, but ultimately these are classification criteria, not diagnostic criteria, and patients who do not meet criteria may still have Sjogren's, and clinical judgment is most important for the final diagnosis. Now what about treatment? Treatment is mostly targeted at replacing moisture at the affected sites to reduce symptom burden and complications such as dental caries, dysphagia, and ocular damage. Firstly, it is important to counsel patients on smoking cessation and review their medications and avoid antihistamines or anticholinergics that can exacerbate their dry mucosal membranes. For dry mouth symptoms, patients are advised to start with non-pharmacologic strategies, including chewing sugar-free gum and drinking liquids often. Saliva substitutes such as biotin can also be used. For dry eye symptoms, patients can use artificial teardrops and eye lubricants. The patient's optometrist or ophthalmologist can be key in helping them choose the best formulation. 
Pharmacologic strategies, including using pilocarpine or sevamelin, which are both muscarinic receptor agonists, can be used to stimulate exocrine secretion. For moderate to severe dry eye disease, cyclosporin drops can be prescribed to improve tear production. Systemic therapies are reserved for patients with systemic features of Sjogren's and are tailored to the specific organs affected. Hydroxychloroquine and NSAIDs can be considered for MSK symptoms of arthralgias and myalgias. Methotrexate can be used for inflammatory arthritis. Prednisone and other immunomodulatory agents such as cyclophosphamide, azathioprine, or biologic agents can be considered for organ-threatening disease or immune complex-associated disease. However, this should be prescribed on a case-by-case basis and with the guidance of a rheumatologist. Let's finish with our medicine minute. As previously mentioned, one of the key things to note about patients with primary Sjogren's is that they are at an elevated risk of developing non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. The risk is estimated to be 20 times higher than the general population. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma tend to occur in salivary glands and other mucosal-associated lymphoid tissues, MALT, but can also occur in lymph nodes and bone marrow. It is advisable to check for lymphadenopathy and screen for constitutional symptoms at yearly follow-up appointments. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled Putting the Sick in Sicca. This episode was written by Dr. Christina Ma, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Stephanie Garner, rheumatologist, and Dr. Hugh Tracker, general internist. The Internet Work series was created by Allison Lai and is executively managed by Zara Morali and Leah Karianopoulos. This episode was recorded by Leah Karianopoulos and produced by Kira Liblink. Music by Lakshmasanthamoan. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out www.theinternetwork.com for associated resources and infographics. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.